I've found a new niche that Nikon is in. So we know they're like the sports and wildlife people. But did you also know that Nikon is the camera of choice for NASA astronauts? I did not know that. Yeah. This was a really interesting Petapixel article. And apparently, like on the International Space Station and stuff, they use Nikon cameras. And Nikon has actually released special firmware just for them. So something they did, I think, I don't know if it was a few years ago or at some point, they had to give them firmware that like changed the way they number files on the cameras because, you know, they're in space. They they send a camera up there and they're just keeping it up there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so they take like a lot of photos. Oh, like they didn't want it to have four zeros on it and then have to recycle over. Exactly. Yeah. Cause they're like, they're like we're going to use this camera to take half a million photos. Like we need, we need numbering that will not like overlap. And so that's good. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But the other one is that apparently, you know, most cameras will do like special in-camera noise reduction if you do an exposure over like one second. But when you have these cameras in space, the cosmic rays in space, in ba- space. basically like degrade the sensor. And so if you try and use, you know, if you send like a normal camera up there and shoot for a while, then like you'll have all this weird noise from the cosmic rays having damaged the sensor. And so Nikon made this special firmware for their cameras that like, I guess that they, you know, just for NASA or whatever that will run like more noise reduction in the camera, no matter how long the exposure is. So like even for shorter exposures, it does more noise reduction and apparently that helps deal with that issue. So awesome. I don't know. I thought it was cool. I think it's neat that they, you know, work with NASA and they're like, we'll make special firmware for you to support this. And it's pretty, pretty neat. Do you think that they, also have adapters to use those was it four or five carl zeiss planar (laughs) like (laughs) 0.7 lenses that they bought back in the 60s uh, to adapt them to these these uh nikons yeah i'm sure they're uh, i'm sure they're using the you know the uh the tiny weight budget they get for sending up all this gear to uh send these super old camera lenses i mean like apparently they were made for shooting dark side of the moon and NASA's probably still paying on those things. <laughs> you know the International Space Station doesn't go to the dark side of the moon, right? I'm just saying that, like, if hum- they already... Lucas, humanity has not been to the dark side of the moon since the, moon since the 70s that we know of. I've... <laughs> That's the spirit. I'm just saying, like, they got them in a closet over there. You know, maybe, they're, maybe yeah. they adapt them to these Nikons. <laughs> maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably using a Noct. Yeah, most likely. That's why that other one's... Got... No, Plena doesn't sound like planar. Yeah, whatever. The cosmic rays remind me how I was voluntold, I guess, to shoot photos at a Christmas party recently. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I did a pretty good job this time. Last time I shot photos at a Christmas party, not good. This time, I had my 50 to 140. Oh, yeah. Had my uh, 56 1.2, and I was, I was pretty happy mm-hmm. with all my photos, even the ones that were way too noisy. They're mm-hmm. all great. But. Somebody thought it was a good idea to have a laser show going on. Oh, no. And I was like, you know, shooting photos and stuff. And when I was looking at uh, the photos later, like there was some like a smudge on the lens. Nothing bad happened. Just to be clear, nothing bad happened. But (laughs) I like had a mild panic attack when I was like previewing images on the back of my camera at one point where I was like, did I just get lasered? (laughs) Oh, no. 
You already broke that little screen hinge on the XH2S. You can't get it lasered. Oh, geez. That'd, be, that'd be a problem. It's like, I don't even know why I did. I should have thought about it immediately, but that's like cardinal rule. If you're going to shoot like in a concert or whatever, if there's lasers, like be really, really, really careful. Yep. So just screw up your camera so fast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Nothing bad happened. That's good. I just. That's good. For like a split second. Man, I guess that's an advantage to film. Exactly. Can't can't damage a film camera. Can't get lasered. Yeah, just it's just one exposure. Yep, you're swapping out the sensor every time, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's the fun part about it. Yeah, it's like now you get a shot for like different kinds of film, and it's not like it's not like Fuji where you're just stuck with these these film simulations. Yeah, these, these and then they come out with they come out with new ones, and then they don't give them to you, and you're like, boy, sure would be cool to check out Riela or whatever. Sorry, too bad. That's not coming. We're never going to give it to you. I mean, I waited for Classic Neg for years. Nope, I had to buy a new camera. But now, I just like go go buy film. <laughs> this exciting new technology called film photography. <laughs> <sighs> you just don't understand, Daniel. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video. Daniel, I'm switching to Sony. <laughs> it's finally happened. <laughs> They've just released so many good cameras this year that you just you just can't handle Fuji mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. Going to Sony. It's my, I'm waiting for my new camera to come in the mail. It's a... Uh, it's a Hymatic AF2. <laughs> oh my gosh. Come on. <laughs> you know, made, made by Minolta, which photo division was sold to Sony in 2006. I don't know but if that counts. Therefore, <laughs> Sony camera. It has autofocus, Daniel. I mean, I didn't even know that you could get autofocus on a film camera. That's yeah. how little I know about film. Real deal. That was that was what piqued my interest. I also didn't know that <laughs> until I then did know that. I think we've already talked about this whole rabbit hole I went down with point and shoots. Yeah, maybe we mentioned it. Yeah, but but, I, but you've gone I, deeper in the rabbit hole. Now. I have I have bought in one. I found a, a sweetheart deal on the eBay's, and I got myself a, a Hymatic AF2, and it's it's coming my way. Nice. I'm so pumped, so excited. I was hoping to have it for this show. Yeah, but it's still in the mail, and I'm really mm, sad about it. Next week. Mm-hmm. It'll be a good uh, 2024 opener. Oh yeah, for our film photography podcast. Oh, yeah. That this apparently is. <laughs> I was going to tell you all about it though. It has autofocus. You can like half hold the half hold the shutter button, focuses. I can do that with my camera too. You can't do that with with the uh, first Auto Boy or even the second one. I think, which is a Canon camera. That if you don't know, came out in like the 70s or whatever. Auto Boy. It, it really sounds like a budget superhero. I kind of wanted the Auto Boy just for the name, and it also looks super duper cool. And if things go really well with my Hymatic, there's a non-zero chance I buy an Auto Boy. Yeah, yeah, there's probably an Auto Boy in your future, Daniel. I, it's like I just can't stop. <laughs> I can tell there's a real problem. You know, it's funny to me that you were talking earlier when we were off air about how busy you are and how much you have going on. And yet, apparently, one of the top priorities is doing tons of research on these super esoteric old film cameras. <laughs> There's so many things that go into it. If you asked me a, like a year ago and you said, Lucas, like there was, there's, there's a billion film cameras. Why? I would, be, I would have said, I don't know. I, like, all it does is like 
you, you just you just run film through it. Like yeah. what? How hard what, could it be? What could be different? Yep. Like what differentiates all these cameras? And it's like, does it have a good good like the lens matters so much? Everyone cares so much about these lenses, and if you can get one that has like a Sumalux or a uh, or like a Carl Zeiss lens on it, you're you're just you're in for it. It's super great. I was trying to remember. I think it's the those contacts ones have like a Sumalux lens on it, which is why people love them. Also the Kardashians, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway. This Minolta, the photo sensor thing, is like on the front of the lens, which is an advantage because if you put a lens filter on there, it accounts for it in the exposure. Wait, so what do you mean the photo sensor thing? What are you talking like about? Like the, uh, you know how, uh, what do you call it? Like if you're a light meter. Oh, like you have, okay. Like it has a yeah. light, it has a meter of the light to do the yeah. auto exposure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And some cameras have it on the body, but some have it on the lens behind where the filter goes. Interesting. And that's what you want. Ah. hmm This one's- For all those ND filters you're gonna use with your film. Yep, yep. So mm-hmm. this one, this one's fully automatic. I can't, it's, it goes down to f2.8. I can't set it. Can't set the aperture. You can't set the shutter speed. You can pick the ISO because it's a film camera. Wait, so it's not, it's not a fixed aperture. Like no, the aperture very, is variable, yes. but the camera picks for you. Yes. Okay. I think it picks between like, a few different ones, mm-hmm. not like all the stops or whatever. Interesting. So you'll never know what aperture you're shooting at. It's just like, it's just straight up a fully automatic point and shoot. But this one has a self winder. It's got a little thumb thing on it where you go crank to wind the film forward. And I feel like that tactile experience is a benefit. And <laughs> also I've been a little worried about the auto winding motors not working in a lot of these, like yeah, with these 1980, old 1975 point and shoots. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, like the flash doesn't work. But boy, am I super excited about having a like oh, the essentially a thirty-five millimeter point and shoot. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna love that. Mm-hmm. The point and shoots are gone. I mean, like there, there's like there's the X100V, mm-hmm. and like there hasn't been a Sony R1XR. People seem to think that that like, camera might basically just be discontinued. Like considering they haven't come out with a new one, they think that might that line might just be dead. Some people think that. Yeah. No, no, that's like that's. I mean, it's not where they make the money. They make the money on Instax cameras. No, no, sorry. To to clarify, the the Fuji one is is alive, but the you're, Sony, talk, you're talking about the Sony. The Sony, yeah. People think there may never be a third version of the RX one. I just, it, is it is it a dead market or is it that I'm mean, like it seems like so many people want this Fuji camera, and I don't understand why other people don't make it. Like yeah. Nikon was rumored to make a fixed lens point and shoot, and then they mm-hmm. just didn't. They like yeah. canceled the whole thing. And so you're stuck with like the Leica or the or the Fuji. Yeah, you would and, think there would be room in the market for something between those two, right? Right. And I guess like that's the whole point of cell phones is like if you're looking for a point and shoot that you just have with you, it's your cell phone. That's duh. probably what killed that market. But that market is what I've been like diving into for the last, you know, whatever. Is because like I've always wanted like a cool point and shoot. And I'm like, a film one's the answer. It scratches all the itches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're interested in doing film, that probably does make the most sense. Oh man, I'm so pumped. But like, if you go, you go back and look, and it's like from whatever 1976 to like whatever 2005, like Olympus and Pentax and uh, Con- Con- Conica, Con- that one camera brand, like Minolta and Nikon and Canon. And Fuji, like all contacts, all of these camera brands, most of them just don't exist anymore, had point and shoots. And they were all basically the same thing. If you go look at like a, whatever, a Nikon LAF2 or whatever it's called, and a Canon Autoboy, they're like the, the freaking same camera, except for like a few minor differences. But it's cool. And that was kind of like the fun part about researching all these point and shoots is 
There's like a billion different versions of all of them because they were out for 20 years. And it's like, oh, well, like, which version do I pick? And like, how do I compare? And blah, blah, blah. Which one has the neat lens? And now it's like, you can buy the like or you can buy the Fuji. Mm-hmm. Well, and those point, those uh, film point and shoots are also a lot cheaper. So if you wanted to buy multiple, you could probably do that. Or it's, you know, you're not going to buy multiple like a Q3s. There's a, their original Olympus Pen F camera was a, was a half frame. And I really want one. I really want a half frame camera. Yeah, you mentioned that Kodak one. Mm-hmm. But this one's this one's old, which means it's it's better. Oh my gosh! And this concludes our second segment on uh, uh, cameras were better when they get cameras were worse. <laughs> Backdoor segment. I like it. Gotcha. <laughs> nice. Well played. Yep. 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 Yeah. Anyway, there was a uh, there was something else I was going to mention here, and I can't da, 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 testing from. Oh right. So I'm going to get this camera. Super pumped. I have to test it because you know, you don't know if it's going to work or not, right? Yeah, you, didn't buy, like, you didn't buy a tested one. It could have it could have bad light seals, like it, the shutter can be stuck. I don't, I don't know, and so I have to run. I have to run a roll through it and get it developed to test it. But then also, I found a roll of Fuji Superia Extra from like two thousand and four in an old bag that was my dad's, and. Like, I want to shoot that role. And I, I would been, not do both of those at the same time. And I've been dying to shoot that role. And I'm You're like, I'm not going to know. I, I just, like, I can't, like, I really want to put that role in my Minolta whenever I get it. But I know that I can't. And I just feel like I'm going to do it anyway. If it was me, I feel like to test the camera, I would buy a cheap known good roll of film and I would run that through it as quickly as possible. Like I would try and like shoot all those pictures in like a couple of days. That's why, that's why people shoot on Ilford black and white because it's like eight bucks. Mm-hmm. And most of the time when they're testing cameras, they're going to test them in black and white. Yeah. I would do that. And then once you know the camera works, then you can use your fun film and uh, take more time with your pictures and all that. But I could, pro- just, could just YOLO it too. I'm probably going to take, take pictures a lot faster now too. Because I can just like Snapchat. You're not going to change any settings. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You just crank and shoot. Easy. Just easy. crank and shoot. Yep. It's going to be great. Well, my prediction is that when we get to this show next week, you're going to have used that Fuji film in that camera for the first roll. That's what that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, or like I'll, I'll use the test roll and then I'll be like, cool, I tested it. But then I won't know because it's going to take a week to develop the pictures, Daniel. I mean, we're talking, it's like two weeks before I can even get around to anything. It's just, it's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what could anybody possibly do about this problem? You know, if I was developing the film myself at home, this would, the whole, you know, process here would be way faster. Maybe someday they'll make cameras that, you know, you can take the pictures and then immediately see them afterward to see if they're any good. But Don't be crazy. What if they made film cameras that scanned the film themselves? Oh, man. You would love that. (laughs) It's like a little little extra wide, like it has a little film scanner right next to the thing. So it takes the picture and then whenever you crank it over, it scans it. Why not just have it print out the completed picture? Don't be crazy. That's impossible. (laughs) How would you do that? There's There's no way to do that, Daniel. Yeah, you're right. Stop making things up. Yeah. All right. I think we've uh, got to get us, got to get to this main topic, though. Okay. Uh, so my next bullet point on this main topic is that I'm really mad that oh Fuji gosh. has all of these film simulations, and they don't make actual film for the film simulations. Classic Chrome isn't even a real film, Daniel. 
That's because they don't want to compete with their core market, man. They're, you know, they're making all these Fuji digital cameras. They're not going to make a film version. Then you're going to go buy this $50 camera on eBay and get the classic Chrome. They can't have that. Yeah, but like, I mean, like Rila and like Provia and all this stuff. That, like, there's a lot of the stuff they just don't even make anymore. Like they just don't make it anymore. And I get that like the market's smaller, but I feel like, you know, film's coming back, Daniel. They need, maybe, maybe Fujifilm needs to, you know. Make some film. Make some film. (laughs) Dang it. I only got one more gripe here. Sorry, do you want to talk more about this Fujifilm thing? (laughs) No, I think I'm good. (laughs) We're losing listeners left and right because this has turned into the film gear podcast. No, no, no. You you titled the podcast Camera of the Year 2023, which has been teased relentlessly on this podcast. And this is just all clickbait. Like, we're talking January. I was talking about Cammy of the Year 2023, mm-hmm. which we both know was destined to be the S1H Mark II. Yes. Here we are, into December. And all we've got are film cameras. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Point is, hips, hipstomatic. Have you heard of this thing? I've heard of hipstomatic. Yes. I didn't, I didn't, never heard of it until I started getting Instagram ads and I was like, this is actually even too far for me. <laughs> I just can't. I even I downloaded it because it's an app for your phone. Yes. And have you ever used this thing? No. Mm-mm. Oh, boy. What's what's wrong with it? Oh, my God. I'm just going to show you. So there's like a little postage stamp looking thing. I mean, that, that yeah, app so, so, looks like a camera. Yeah. So what I'm showing you is like the phone screen is the back of a camera. Yeah. And then inside the back of the camera is a cutout for the visual of what you're taking a picture of. I mean, this is basically like. This is how iOS design was before iOS 7. Like whenever the Notes app looked like a leather notebook and stuff like that. Like yep. this is what that is, but oh, it's yeah. a camera It's app. very skeuomorphic. And the whole concept here is that you can download new cameras and like pick old cameras. And then it, you take pictures like you're using an old camera and your, your photos look bad. Do you really think that's not for you? Because that sure does sound like it's for oh, you. Oh my God. It does. It sounds like it. It is not for me. <laughs> but they teased everybody and like they had these renders and everything. Like they were going to come out. With a camera. Yep. And everyone was just so pumped. I was even like, I'm interested. Like maybe like whatever the app is doing, you do that in like a physical camera. I feel like if you came out with a fixed lens version of that, you'd be immediately competing with Fujifilm. And it would be pretty cool. Turns out it was a skin for the app. (laughs) And everyone lost their mind. Everyone, Daniel. The entire internet revolted because Hipstamac was lying to people. And yet... This is why you have downloaded that app and have it on your phone. Yeah, no, it totally worked. It, it they were, totally they were like, download this thing to see what happens next. And I'm like, I want I want to know what happens next. <laughs> You're going to be using this as your primary camera app from now on? Stop it. I shoot film now, Daniel. <laughs> uh. Okay, I think that's I think that's all of the pomp and preamble and et cetera that I have brought to the table this holiday season. <laughs> You're welcome. Let's do it. Camera of the year 2023. Yeah, finally. Finally. We're only like 20 minutes into the show. Do you want to set the stage or do you want me no, to? No, I want you to. You've been talking about this for so long. Okay. Camera of the year 2023. We have multiple categories this time around. I don't even know what we did last year. It doesn't matter. Multi- so here's the rules. A camera has to be a camera, unless it's the category about cameras that aren't cameras, which is a category. 
Best to not camera. <laughs> anyway, has to have been released in 2023. Now, we've got to talk about that one. When we say released in 2023, do we mean announced or or, or like purchasable? So I think that we're both thinking of one specific elephant I'm, in the I'm room. I'm thinking of two specific elements in the room. Go ahead. And in my opinion, you need to be able to purchase it and touch it. Like a real person that's not a brand rep has to have been able to buy and use that camera. That's that's kind of my my limit here. Okay. I think that's fair. Which means for 2024, there will be certain cameras that will have been released in 2023 mm-hmm. that can still be camera of the year 2024. Yeah. I mean, cameras that we have talked about. And since they can't be in these categories, we can just say like, you're thinking of the Sony A9, yeah, A9 III. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of the Burano because oh. the Burano was announced this year, but you can't buy a Burano. Like they, they, they're not out yet. So. Yeah. So I would say both of those, I really, probably should, I should probably write it down because next year I'm going to forget. Yep. Uh, and I would say both of those probably are uh, controversial on qualifying because I yeah. feel like both of those could could easily have made Spots no, they're, list. they're they're contenders for sure, but they're they're disqualified. So. Okay, all right. What else? Next one: uh, secret rankings. I have no idea what your rankings are, mm-hmm. and you nor I. Yep. And then lastly, here are the categories: camera of the year, best photo camera, best budget, best hybrid mirrorless for video, best video camera, the best hybrid. It's like hybrid mirrorless kind of thing, and then so photo and video. Then best video camera, and then best not camera. Okay. So those are categories, and I don't think there needs to be any more rules here. And I think as we'll, we'll back and forth, and I think we end on camera of the year. I think you're right. And I would like to clarify that when we say, like, this is the best camera, definitely an opinion. <laughs> and probably not the best camera because, like, you know, it's really subjective. It depends on what you're, what you're doing with your you're, camera. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't agree with any of that. Okay, I think got that, it. I think our opinion is correct. Definitive? And yes. And <laughs> when we say camera of the year, that's the camera you should buy. You should ignore everything else <laughs> yeah, in the list. Just get that camera. Ignore your needs and what yep. you're doing and yep. your existing ecosystem. Exactly. Uh, just wholeheartedly push forward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where are we starting? All right. Let's. Start. I'm going to start with, uh, I want to do, let's start with just the best not camera. Okay. We get a little weird here. Yeah. So not camera is a camera that's not a camera. Yeah, like not a traditional photo or video camera, like something else. But it has to it has to take pictures or video. Sure. But yeah. So do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? I want you to go first. All right. Well, the one I had for this category, and I'm the one that came up with this category, and this was the camera I had in mind when I came up with it, is the Insta360 GO 3. Okay. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. So I the reason I picked it is because, I mean, I think, you know, action cameras and drones and stuff are an obvious thing to consider here. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different action cameras. We talked about them a week or two ago. And I felt like the GO 3 is one of the most unique ones that's come out. And it lets you do things that you can't do with any other camera. So I thought that was really cool. And I also think that they've done a really good job with just like, they have very well thought out accessories. There's easy ways to mount it on a hat or have like a little magnetic necklace around your neck, stuff like that. And I have one of these cameras and I like it a lot. And you can just get some cool shots with it. So It seems like they've found a way, Insta360 has found a way to kind of carve out 
their own piece of this action cam market by doing interesting things to differentiate their products. Yeah. And the whole like wireless whatever and the pill being like it's super, super cool. I I still will regularly think about the Make Art Now video on that thing where he's like, I'm going to strap this thing to a rocket. <laughs> and then, like, he just found it and it totally worked. Yep. It's, yeah. I know, it's it's very, very cool. And I think that's a that's a really good option. Yeah, and this is the third one they've made. And the first, the one and the two were also good. But I feel like the three is when it finally hit, you know, like price, capability, and all that to really be a consideration for most people. Like, they did a good job. That was one of those cameras that came out where I was legitimately excited about it. And I've still considered whether or not I should get one. And because I, I'm i like thinking of ways that I could capture footage that are impossible for me to do now. And yeah. like it opens up new opportunities mm-hmm. and like makes me excited to try different ways of like making video and capturing footage. Yeah. And so like it just inspires that creativity. And so I, for that reason, I, I think this is a really, really cool option. Yeah, I think so too. All right, my pick for this best not camera category is the Inspire 3. Oh, that's a good one because too. Because that drone is nuts. Like all the things they did with the moving propellers and like the tail to the thing and whatever and the like the rate extra radio distance thing and the micro precision of the movements and just the pure dynamic range of that sensor. That that camera is crazy. You know, normally drone footage is just not as good as what you capture with your mm-hmm. camera and it's like you're limited on how much you can use it because it just doesn't hold up if you zoom in and the Inspire drones and especially the Inspire 3 feels like it's on just a totally different level of actually being good footage. Well we've complained a lot about DJI this year about how it's just they have so many drone models and it feels like they're just kind of updating to update and you know this camera is the same as last year's camera like what's that different about it and like the quality isn't getting that much better. The insp- jump from the Inspire to the Inspire 3 and the release of that drone this year felt legitimately exciting and like revolutionary. Eh. Just like a huge step forward. It was a giant jump in spec. And the like the noise on the dynamic range that you can get off that center is like cinema quality. It's so yeah. it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was super, super exciting. Yeah. So that's my best not camera this year. I like it. It's a good choice. All right. Let's, our, our two choices were at very different price points. Ye- <laughs> yes, they were. The listeners can probably just go ahead and pick up both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, you want the, the, the go three will be a rounding error on your purchase of the Inspire. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> All right. What's next? Well, since we're talking about really expensive cameras, let's talk about the best video camera yeah. of 2023. So you didn't pick your little JVC camcorder thing? No, it wasn't released this year. Oh, good point. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even look at camcorders. I am not. I do not have a pulse on the camcorder market. <laughs> if you want something with 36 times optical zoom, that's where you, that's where you got to look. Like sometimes I think about doing a deep dive on camcorders like I did on film point and shoots. Hey man, 2024 is going to be a long year. <laughs> Plenty of time for that. It's gonna, this is going to be. Would actually, we should probably add that to the list because that would be really interesting to like, what is that market? Are those cameras actually good? Should you consider one? We should add that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on the list for for topics to talk about. about. And uh, while you tell me about your best video camera, 2023. (sighs) All right. So, you know, the Burano was on my mind, but I didn't. For one thing, I didn't think I could pick it because of the, uh, you know, because it's not viable yet. And I also felt like that camera is just so expensive. It's just way out of reach for most people. My pick for this was the Red Komodo X. 
Really? And the reason I picked that is because... Because you didn't want to pick the Z cam? <laughs> I, I didn't want to pick the Z cam. That's very true. Because you're not a big V-Raptor guy? Yeah. No, I I thought the Komodo X was interesting because, you know, a lot of people want like those red colors and, you know, or they just want that workflow, like, uh, or they're looking to take like the next step, you know, in their filmmaking journey and they want to get into that world. And I thought it was cool that Red came out with the Komodo X to kind of like give people what they were looking for. And I mean, honestly, it's kind of unusual now to have these companies really feel like they're listening to what users want and giving them what they want. And the Komodo X feels like something where that happened. Um, you know, because the Komodo came out before it and then people started using that as their ACAM. And so Red gave them, you know, this better, better version that, you know, is a little more expensive, but gives you you know, the things that you actually need to be an ACAM. Um, and it's, it's 10K by itself. So, you know, still pretty expensive, but um, I thought that was a pretty good one. I am shocked you didn't pick the Pocket Cinema 6K. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not shocked. <laughs> yeah. I I was so excited for that camera, but it just didn't, it, it didn't really hit the mark. And I mean, I feel like that Pocket 6K, I, I would have been in the target market for that. Oh, because yeah. if it had been a really good camera, I would have considered buying one. Um, and the fact that someone like me was not interested in it, it was kind of a bad sign. Yeah, not not too good. Did you know that they came out with a new Ursa Mini this year? Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, there was, there was a new Ursa Mini Pro 12K where they added an optical low-pass filter. Hmm. But then basically the same as the one that came out in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that doesn't count. The- Black, Black Magic is like so close. Like they, they've got all the building blocks they just haven't put together the right thing yet yeah there, there honestly wasn't too many too many to pick for this category i yeah. thought about going v raptor 35 the burano was like the clear winner mm-hmm. if it was out uh, i also went with the komodo x actually just because of like all the reasons that you said as far as it's just it was cool where they're bringing this from the komodo and i guess i had swore that that camera had a rolling shutter and then when I was looking at it, I think it is global hmm. still in the okay. Komodo X. I, I don't know if that's 100% true, but that's what I read. And like, I don't know. It's it's like if you're trying to get into that cinema world, this is like the bottom of the bucket for the for red, but it's yeah. still a good option. And it's really exciting. And I like what they're doing. Well, and, you know, I think that if you're trying to get into the cinema world, you know, you, you, at some point you want to take the leap into getting into like an actual like professional cinema camera workflow and the coloring and all that and, and you know, this seems like a good entry point. I I considered going with a ZVE one for this category. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I I still think that camera is really exciting. Just yeah. taking all of the goodness of an FX three and shoving it into like a tiny little vlog camera. Mm-hmm. I think that one's really appealing. And it comes in white. It's like yeah, well, actually, I mean, both these cameras yeah, come sold. in white. Yep. So that's all you need. Just get them both, both yep. in white. Yep. All right, let's do best hybrid mirrorless. For video. Yep. So uh, on this one, I I read the category as being like... Sorry, not is, just for... I guess for video, but well, best mirrorless hybrid. That's but. what I'm saying. I read the category as being like, you're going to mostly be shooting video on this thing. Yeah, I probably should have been more careful about how I worded yeah. this because I wanted to do like video camera and I wanted to do photo camera, but I wanted to be specific that like the photo, the camera that's shooting for photos doesn't have to only do photos because I didn't want right. to like limit it to Leicas and Pentaxes. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, <laughs> and Hasselblads. And so this one was like mirrorless, but like also you, and yeah. it has video. Mm-hmm. But I understand how that could be confusing. All right. So with that caveat in mind, 
the one that I picked for this category was actually the Sony ZV-E1. It's so good. Yeah, and you know, for photos, it would not be a good choice because it only has a 12 megapixel sensor. But no, for the video so side of things, I think it's a great choice. It's like it's really small, and it's got a lot of good video features. It has that Sony A7S III sensor, so it's good in low light. Overheats. Yeah, yeah, it does overheat. It's expensive. Um, <laughs> but you get all the cool AI features, the reframing, and you know, like multi-face mode and AI focus and all that. And I don't know, especially for vlogging, it just seems like a really solid all-around choice. Because of how good, even still, like multiple years later, the FX3 and the A7S III are for video and like the low-light capabilities. If I needed something small, compact, portable, but still like really good image quality, I mean like the ZV-E1 feels like a great option. It's like you can kind of tuck that thing away and you're getting like, you know, it's small, like 4K, whatever, and like all this dynamic range and you can shoot at these crazy ISOs. And it's like you get A7S three footage, but with like this tiny little thing. And so I, I really like it for a like small video option because it like it just it just super holds up. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I think it's, it's really fun. I obviously picked the S5 Mark II X because Daniel... Panasonic is just, they're doing things. They things, are. Are, things are happening over there at Panasonic. The L mounts, like, complete. It's the best mount, probably. All those Sigma lenses. And, like, we got face detect now. Just saying, that Lumix camera is so good. It's, it is. It's, yeah. it's one of the best bang-for-the-buck cameras out there right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, it doesn't have the resolution of, like, an R5. And it doesn't quite have the video chops of, like, a Z8. But it's still, it's really, really good. Well, it's affordable too. Yeah. I mean, it's like 1900 bucks. Yeah. The MSRP is 2000. I've seen it on sale a few times recently for 1700, you know, somewhere in that range. It's a great deal. Having like looked at the photos off that camera, it's like, it's just a really good photo camera. Yeah. It's, it's Mm -hmm. so good for like, if you need to have 24 for 24 megapixels, full frame is what you need. Boy, like this is it. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just that good. And then like, if you're going to shoot video, like, those features are way better than anything one out any, anything anyone else has out there because of like all the different extra features with it and vlog and all this stuff and the colors are great. It's like this is such a good all arounder that I have a hard time not recon- recommending it to people. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the few cameras in this list that we've had hands on experience with this year, and. I mean, yeah, I'm impressed with the image quality. I'm impressed with the build quality too. I mean, the body is, you know, well designed and the buttons are all in good spots. And I mean, it, it's just a great camera. I mean, I, I've been tempted by it a few times. So just, you know, we we make jokes on this podcast a lot about me getting into Panasonic and L mount. And, you know, even though we're waiting on the S1H Mark II, the S5 Mark II is so good. It feels like it could be easily be your A cam, easily be a video camera and, yeah, I'm very impressed with that one. Yep. And but it's also like not at the expense of the photo side. It takes very good photos. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. All right. And well thank thank you, Daniel. I'm sure that that may or may not be the last time that camera shows up on this list. Yeah. Who knows? Anything could happen. Well then since we're talking about hybrid mirrorless, whatever, let's talk about photos. Wow. Okay. So let's go I'm gonna skip over budget. And I want to see what the best photo camera. Yeah. I kind of want you to go first on this because I, to be honest with you, I've got two possibilities here and I, I have picked one as the top and then one as an honorable mention. But if you pick the other one, I might switch. Okay. So I also have two <laughs> and I have a hunch 
that my two are neither of your two. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Well, you go first anyway. We okay. got I, I'm going to not say the GFX 100 the second. Just because you like, wanted to, though. I, you definitely wanted so to. So much. I yep. so much wanted to give like a little golden well, hat. But tell me why you didn't the whole, pick like, that. The whole... 14-bit, 12-bit controversy was a little mm, bit. That just out too, too off-putting for and you. And the, like, they kind of sold it as, like, this whole new sensor thing, but in reality, it's, like, it's basically the same sensor, but, like, slightly different. It's not as, like, it's it's not as much, it's not as much faster than the old one. Yeah. Than they made it seem. And so I feel like they missold it. Mm. And I don't think it's totally exactly out. And also, like, it's maybe a little too niche. I mean, it's a, $7,000 medium format camera and it's probably going to take the best photos. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I, I mean, just I, don't think that it's it's the right thing for everybody. I was considering that a lot in this list. I mean, you know, we didn't put any any price uh, restrictions on this or anything. But like my when I picked my video camera thing, part of it is I'm just not that interested in talking about cameras that none of us and people listening to this podcast are going to buy, you know? And sure. I mean- I'm sure we have people that shoot medium format and, you know, I can imagine a world where one day, you know, like you buy a medium format camera or something, but like, I don't know. It's just, that feels out of reach for most people. That day, that day may be closer than we think. <laughs> anyway, so you didn't pick the GFX so I didn't pick that one. I, I picked pick? something that's a little more mainstream. Okay. The Leica Q3. Oh, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. 60 megapixels. It's like, was it 27 millimeter, uh, you know, full frame, point and shoot, fixed lens. You can like get multiple focal lengths because of how far it crops in. I mean, the Q3 was such a cool upgrade from the Q2. I think it has a tilty screen. That's a, it's a big step. Yeah, yeah, dude. And it's a Leica. I don't know. Like, if you're just looking for something that takes pictures, this is probably going to take some of the best pictures. And if you don't want to, like, if you're just, Daniel, if you're just doing photography... And you don't want to deal. You don't want to deal with all that huffing and puffing and when what have you. This one's got autofocus. <laughs> I just I I love this category, and I think that this is such a cool camera and such a cool upgrade from the Q2 that it's like if you ha- if you just have six thousand dollars lying around, and who doesn't really? It's hard not to buy this camera. <laughs> I just got done saying I tried to make my choices approachable. Here you, here you go. I think like, who who out there doesn't want a Q3? <laughs> oh, I definitely want one. Yeah, I'm just not going to buy one. It's it like the photos look so good. Like there's not too many cameras that can shoot 60 megapixels, Daniel. That's true. That's true. There are a few though, and very few of them there that are, are fixed are lens, few. full frame. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. With that caveat, I don't know. I just. Like the, the, the Sumo Lux lens on this thing is like, it's just so good. It's so good, Daniel. And so I, I just, I don't know. That's it. I don't really have any other good reasons. I just, I love this camera. I don't think I've given it enough uh, attention this mm-hmm. year. And so I think that I'm going to name it my best photo camera of the year. Man, big day. Yep. I would have given it to the A7R5 if that had come out this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough. Um, all right. So my choice, I'm going to tell you both of mine because you told me both years. Yep. So the one that I had picked as my choice was the Nikon Z8. Nice. And, you know, I, and we've, we've talked quite a bit about Nikon on this podcast, you know, so I, we actually had an episode where we covered the Z8 in detail. Not going to go through all that again, but I felt like this was 
reasonably priced. It came out at four thousand dollars. Right now, uh, you can get it for thirty seven hundred, and it's very similar to like larger and more expensive Z nine, and that that was cool to see, uh, just in terms of you know offering more value to your customers. You know, not making people pay more for more features. And honestly, one of the biggest reasons I picked this was because of Nikon's lens ecosystem. Because when I think about a photo camera, a lot of what people use those for is things like sports and wildlife or, you know, whatever. And Nikon has a great uh, lens lineup. And I think that it's a good choice for stuff like that. Um, you know, we, we kind of joke about them not getting, you know, enough attention. But I think for photos, they're you know easily uh, competing with Canon and Sony and et cetera. Uh, and so I picked that one. I think it's interesting, the cameras that didn't quite make it to the top of this list. I the Z8 is phenomenal. It's like the the like the stack sensor that's in that thing, and it's like forty megapixels. It's just such a good camera. Mm-hmm. And there are other things though that came out this year, like the A7 RC. So that that was my honorable mention. It's actually uh, A7CR. Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. Um, I'm sorry that the alphabet soup didn't yeah, make it out yeah. my mouth. <laughs> But, uh, the, so I thought that camera was really interesting because that one's 61 megapixels. Yeah. So it matches the Q3 on that. What's, well, isn't and it it's, very similar to the A7R5, but like cheaper, smaller? It, it is. Yeah. It's, it's very similar. If you don't care about video, it's very similar to the R5, to the A7R5 and it's $3,000. Yeah. It's small. Like, honestly, that is a great choice for a photo camera. It is such a good choice for a photo camera. And I kind of wish I had honorable mentioned it as well, because I think that's, that is a runner up there for best photo. And it feels like it's just kind of, it, it came out and then it just kind of disappeared. Like we haven't really heard people talking about it, but mm-hmm. I, that seems like a really good camera. Yeah. I mean, if I was, I don't know, if I was like only in photos, I need a good autofocus and high resolution boy. You know, or if you're in the Sony ecosystem, you got sure. a bunch of Sony lenses, you want to buy a dedicated, really good photo camera. I'm not saying $3,000 is cheap, but it's more approachable than the, than the high-end options from some of the other brands. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're still, you're saving $1,000 over the Z8, mm-hmm. which is the, the Nikon. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. Neither of us even talked about yet the uh, R6 Mark II. Yeah. I, man, I, I just... Like, if you're talking about, you know, fo- like, oh, I want good lenses for photos. Mm-hmm. I mean, Canon is still making some of the fastest zooms out there, and they're making really great glass it's super 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 expensive but and like sure it's only 24 megapixels but the r6 mark ii is still a very good camera i just had a hard time getting excited about the stuff canon released this year sure i mean with a lot of these categories if we weren't limiting ourselves to things that came out in 2023 i probably would have picked a different option like on on several of them like best hybrid mirrorless for video like I probably would not have picked the camera from this year. Yeah, probably the and, XH2S. Camera <laughs> I mean, of the year 2022. Um, <laughs> and I just, I mean, Canon released several cameras. They released a lot of lenses, but I just had a hard time really being interested in them. And R6 Mark II kind of is in that category, I guess. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Do any of those cameras wirelessly charge when you set them on a pad? I Probably not. Like a Q3 does. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's so cool. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Best. We got two more, right? So the yep. best budget and then, and then the big one. Yep. So uh, best budget camera. Now this, 23. This is pretty hard, right? Because like, what does budget mean? 
who knows? I mean, some might, some might say that uh, the S5 Mark II would be it because yeah. it's like the best bang for the buck. I'm not one of those people, <laughs> but somebody might say that. Somebody might say the Leica Q3's budget for them. You know, who knows? Yeah, sure. Any, sure. Anything sure. could happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, again, a hard category to decide. Um, I'm curious if you picked the one that I didn't pick, but the one I picked was the Sony A6700. Okay. Yeah. Really? And out. I guess because the XT5 came out last year. Mm, I, I mean, I might have picked something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But but how, the XT5 is, is expensive. Uh, how much is Sony paying you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even the A6700 is $1,400. That felt, to me, that feels high for budget. Isn't the Canon R8 cheaper? I don't think. It's probably around the same price. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like, yeah, like one reason I picked this is because it's small. And I feel like if you want to take a camera with you, you know, if you're just getting into photography and, you know, learning about it, then you want to be able to take your camera everywhere you go. I felt like that's probably good. Uh, it has good improvements over the previous A6000 cameras. You know, they've added more buttons and wheel and stuff. Um, but the big thing for me is that it has some of those cool features from the ZVE-1. So you get some of those AI features, the auto cropping and stuff. Um, you know, that would probably be fun if you're just getting into the stuff. And you get good video features. So you get 10-bit 422 log profile. Like it can do all that, uh, you know, table stakes video stuff. So I don't know. I just felt like it was a good all-around choice. You know, if you're buying your first camera, again, $1,400 with no lens isn't cheap, but you do get quite a bit for your money. Yeah, it's it's a legitimately a good option and a very good camera for a lot of people. I have so much heartburn around the A6700 and I just... I don't know why. I do know why, but I don't know why. And it's, I mean, like on sale, maybe $300 more, you could get like an R8 or a Lumix S5 Mark II. And I feel like both of those cameras are so worth the extra money to get mm-hmm. to them. And so but you I don't can play like, that game all day. It can yeah, always be like, if you spend a few hundred dollars more, you can get this. Sure, and- sure. But like just that for the price point. And then for so many things and for so many reasons, I often feel like, unless you just absolutely need the autofocus, the Fuji options in APS-C land are just more exciting and more better and more value for money. Well, the lenses certainly are. Mm-hmm. Than the, than the A6700. Mm-hmm. And so I have a hard time like picking that over something like an S20 or yeah. an X-T4 used mm. or that sort of oh, thing. So X-T4 used would not have qualified for what we're doing today. Sure. Well, XS20 I, would have because that did come out this Yeah, year. so like best, best Witch Camera 2023, obviously, you know, like that aside when thinking about the the a6700 in like the context of what it's like it's an APS-C camera mm-hmm. i just i i feel i feel personally attacked as a fuji shooter whenever people pick that camera over <laughs> a fuji camera and i shouldn't and i don't know why well the the thing is especially in this category you know if somebody's listening to this show and you know oh i want to buy a camera i'm interested in a budget camera i would not buy a camera from 2023 as your first camera or as a budget camera. Cause I feel like you can save a lot of money by buying something from last year and probably get a better camera. Like, you know, you mentioned like you used X-T4 or something like that. Like you're going to be able to get that for cheaper. You oh, can yeah. buy some lenses with it. It's going to be better than the A6700 in some ways. Like, you know, if you're on a budget looking used or at least looking at older models is definitely a good idea. I guess that's a really good point as far as this category like best budget camera 2023 it's like ooh these are going to be really good options next year mm. <laughs> yeah 
Because like, you're right. I mean, it's always the thing of like, do I buy the higher end model that's used from like the previous year? Or do I buy the current like low end model? And sometimes there's weird overlaps there and it, it gets kind of weird. Yeah. So. But what'd you pick? I picked the EOS R50. Oh, okay. Because so that's. So what made you choose that? It's like, it's less than a thousand dollars. And I feel like a lot of times when we're talking to people and they're like getting into photography or that sort of thing, it's like, what can I buy that's a thousand bucks or what can I buy that's $1,500? Here's my budget. Yeah. And that's really hard to get somebody into a lens and a body for that. And while I don't love the EOS R mount options for like these cheap zooms. Mm. Well, that's why still, I didn't, that's why I didn't pick it. They still exist. And like you mm. can get the a 51.8 and the 82 F2 and you can get this like the 24 to 105, like F4 to F7.1. Those are all less than $800, I think. Like reasonably cheap lenses. And I think that the R50 is a really good value for what you get as far as like camera and capabilities and that sort of thing. Because I mean, out the door, it's like what, 650 or something? Yeah, it is pretty cheap. And so to me, like as far as cameras released this year that are in that budget class, uh, I, think, I think the R50 kind of kind of wins it. I was glad to see Canon finally hit that lower market yep. with both cameras and lenses because for a long time, the only stuff they had there was their old stuff. Like they had the M50, but you know, within the past year, you would not have wanted to buy an M50 because it was clearly like not long for this world. It felt like that was all they released this year was that it was filling out that low line. Mm, it, I, it does feel that way. To me, like the only misstep for Canon this year was the R100. Yeah. Yeah. They... I don't that's a, understand that camera. It's such a weird camera. But like ignoring that, like the R50 and the R8, and the R6 Mark II, they're, they're all all good. Yeah, they are. They they brought out some cheaper lenses. They brought out some really expensive ones too. But like they're starting, it's like, it feels like they're starting to get there. Yeah. I had a hard time getting excited about what they were doing, but it's an improvement over the past. Nice. All right. So do you want to say the camera of the year for 2023 at the same time, since we probably both picked the same one? <laughs> Or do you do you want to like go first and I go second or vice versa? Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's go one at a time. But you just tell me if I if we ended up with the same one, we'll just talk about it as one thing. Okay. So I think it was it, it was a little suspicious that you uh, that you said the S S five Mark II X as your uh, video camera, but I picked the S five two not X as my camera leader. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't pick that. You one. didn't pick that one. No. Okay. So yeah, I mean not to. Not to rehash it all because we literally just talked about it, but mostly I picked that because I think it was a really big release for Panasonic, and I think it kind of put them back on the map for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and it made me excited about what they're doing next. Um, but even if you don't care about any of that, even if none of the like you know market industry stuff matters to you, I just think it's a really good camera. It's a really good camera, Daniel. Like to be honest, I'm curious to see what you picked that is better than that oh geez so come, come on let's hear it like i feel like if things had kind of fallen differently and like i was so excited about the xh2s like i was i had my heart set on that thing for like a year waiting for that to come out and if the xh2s and the s5 mark ii had come out at the same time i would have probably switched to panasonic oh that's interesting like i were strongly strongly considered yeah. it Cause I could see myself having like, like going the, like the X 100 V route mm-hmm. and then like having a Panasonic as my work camera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could still, I could still see that happening for me. 
I, I, I could see replacing the XH2S with the S5 Mark II and being totally happy with that. It'd be so good. And that's even ignoring that they're probably going to come out with an S1H Mark II that'll be even better for video. Like, I mean, it's a pretty compelling system. Yep. I could also see a world where I use the camera of the year 2023, which uh, you may be surprised to know is not the S5 Mark II, <laughs> but is indeed the Nikon Z8. Oh, interesting. I'm so glad you didn't pick some obscure film camera that I've never heard of. At least, at least this is a camera that I've seen before. Nikon is just not really releasing much, but they took all the goodness of the Z9, which is such a good, like, like the read speed and the resolution and the video features and beating internal raw lawsuits and like all the things. The Z8, like it has it all. Sure, it's a $4,000 camera, but it is an incredible photo camera. Yeah. Their autofocus is getting better and better. It can has all the video specs you could need. It can shoot 8K. It does all the things. It is so complete as a package and just great. Like I, I've, I no notes. Fantastic camera. Maybe put a shutter in it so you don't get weird lines because it's not global sensor. But I thought that you know that camera really you know when they came out with it, it's like okay, Nikon's still serious about this. They're not like on their heels. It sure takes them forever to come out with a camera and why where's our Z7 and our Z6 Mark III or whatever. But the Z8 is, I don't know. To me, like that's it. That was the complete package. Mm-hmm. That was the camera of the it year. It does have really good video features too. It does. It has fantastic video features. Like like, like I'm saying, if you like and if you're in the hybrid market world or like if you just need something for photo, you need a hybrid, it's the Z8. If you need something that's just for video, like maybe. I would, I mean, I would still consider it because, I mean, it does do the raw internal and has AK and all this sort of thing. And I like it. I like it a lot for, for camera of the year. Yeah. And I think that it's probably outside of the price budget for a lot of people, but for, you know, high end $4,000 cameras, but not the highest of the highest of the high end. I don't know. I think a lot of people would agree with me, Daniel. Yeah. I think a lot of our listeners would. I was very careful to make my list before I started reading and listening to the other camera of the year. Um, oh yeah lists from other people well what have you learned since then though that uh i'm not the only one who picked the z8 interesting and i'm worried that because this is going to come out after all that content comes out people are going to think i'm like a nikon shill or something Mm -hmm. and i'm just saying that i was a nikon shill way before all these other people (laughs) see nikon cast episodes one (laughs) two three and four (laughs) and yeah no i just i like what they're doing yeah i mean i I couldn't have said that last year (laughs) I haven't looked at any of those lists and I, I mean, I had it on mine, you know, it was one of my other picks and I mean, I think it's a great camera. I think this like November last year, the amount of just crap that we were giving to Icon, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's kind of come full circle. Yeah. I would have, I wouldn't have uh, gone, I did not go into 2023, 2023 thinking that I was going to pick an Icon camera for my camera of the year. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So is, you, you kind of said earlier that, you know, you could see yourself using the camera of the year 2023. I mean, yeah. tell, tell me more about that. You think you'd ever buy this camera? I don't think I would, mostly because it's, I don't know, I don't think I would ever buy it because of like all the lenses and all the things. And it's really, Nikon is still to me a more like sports wildlife type of thing. And I would, I think I would much rather be in an L-mount ecosystem because of like if I, I love fast primes mm-hmm. and Sigma makes the fastest primes and they make really, really good primes. And to me, like that's where I want to be if I was going to move like full frame and change camera ecosystems. But 
the Z8 really is the whole package. And like for all the things that I shoot, like the video is really good and you get that solid and raw and it's like such a good photo camera that I don't know. I could, I could honestly see myself using a Z8. Yeah. It would certainly meet all your needs. I like that Nikon has that, that extra Trinity of zooms that we talked about that they, like they finished that lineup this year where like they have the F4s and they have the F2.8s, but then they have these like weird 2.8s that are smaller and lighter. Yeah, which I'm super into as an idea. I think that's great. Yeah, and I can't remember exactly, but it's like it's like a 70 to 180 instead of a 7200 or like it's 17 to 30 instead of like 15 to 35 or whatever. Like they are slightly different in their focal ranges, but you you gain like a pound on a lot of these lenses and I like that. I like that they're doing like weird interesting things on their zooms. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm I mean, that's one of the things I love about Fuji is that their their lenses are small and light. Yep. And so it's neat that uh, Nikon's doing that, you know, with full frame lenses as well. Yeah, definitely. And just as a user, it's nice to have options. Like that was kind of my complaint about Canon for so long is that you could only buy the super expensive uh, R mount stuff, RF mount stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's cool that they provide options like in this whole range. Definitely. Okay. Big year for cameras. Yeah, big year for cameras. I think next year, going to be bigger. I mean, it's possible. So, I mean, like, we talked last week when we kind of reviewed the camera brands. And, I mean, especially when I was going through trying to pick the things for this list, I mean, Sony's just, like, everywhere. You know, it feels like they made so many cameras. But then there were other brands, like Fuji, that really didn't seem like they released a whole lot. And, um, yeah, I'm really curious to see what we get next year. I could not believe the number of Sony cameras that came out this year. <laughs> and and Canon cameras, for that instance. I just, like, kept kept listing a cameras and eos cameras it's it just nuts yeah, but you think next year's gonna be bigger huh yeah i did i do i think that you know with the olympics coming out you know in august a lot of these camera companies especially the ones that make pro cameras i mean they all kind of make their own version of pro camera like this is going to be it for you know advertising that that camera yeah and i think that i think the eos are one is going to come out next year. Finally. I think they're waiting. I think they're waiting for the thing. I heard an interesting take that it's like, what if, you know, the EOS R3 was meant to be the R1 and then they like chickened out at the last oh, minute. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. I thought that was super interesting. There's also rumor out there that the R1 is uh, going to be global sensor also. And that maybe uh Canon was a little, maybe that, like that's why Sony rushed out there global and Canon's mad about it. Could be. Who knows? We'll, I don't we'll know. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. It's either going to be like super fast and super stacked or it's going to be a global sensor. Yeah. And I know the R1, like that's that's going to be a, a crazy camera for next year. Yeah. And then I think we're probably going to see something else from Nikon. I think we're going to either see, I think we're probably going to see the Z6 Mark III, but I bet they're going to come out with like a Z1 or a Z9 or something that's like the another top of line thing to kind of advertise around the Olympics. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it, it'll have been long enough that they might have, you know, advanced something to where that makes sense. Yep. And then not like, it feels like it's too soon for a lot of these new top end cameras, but like the last one to talk about is the, is the Sony, right? Like if can if our Canon comes out with the R1, like Sony's probably going to come out with an A1 Mark II, which would feel weird in the shadow of the A9 Mark III. Yeah. But I, I still think the A9 Mark III is a little too specialty. Like, I think the global sensor is, it's like the newest version of this technology. It's like folding phones. And it's going to be like super, super cool. But for a lot of people, 
the cost of dynamic range and noise performance is not going to be worth it compared to what you can get out of like a 50 or 60 megapixel full frame sensor. Yeah, I can see that. It's like a, they're pushing the envelope forward with that camera, but maybe not in the way that people want for something like Olympic shooting. I think we all want it, especially for Olympic shooting, but I just don't think it's going to be there yet. Like we won't see until March. Like things are just not, it's just not out yet. So I don't know, maybe like the A9 Mark III is going to be their Olympic camera, but I could see them coming out with an A1 Mark II. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that happening. Obviously, the one I'm waiting for the most is S1H Mark II. It, yeah. It feels like it's overdue already, and I just, I really want to see that camera. What do you think they're going to do to that line? Do you think that they're going to do the same thing, like release an S1 Mark II, an S1H, and an SR? S1R, or do you think they're going to like roll it all together and just do do one camera, like do an S1H and an S1? I don't I don't know what to expect. It, it's always been confusing to me that they had all those different cameras because they just really didn't seem that different. So I, I, I just don't know. I would imagine they might, uh, you know, they might uh, merge them together, but I don't we, know. We have all of these camera companies in the L-Mount Alliance, but like Sigma is feels like they're never going to release their Foveon camera. And you have like Panasonic that's actually making cameras. And then you have Leica that just does Leica things and whatever. But like, it's basically all these L-mount lenses for Panasonic. Yeah. And if you're looking for a competitive camera to like the R5 or the A7R5 or like the Z8 and that, you know, $4,000 high-end, high-megapixel full frame with good autofocus L-mount camera, there just isn't one. Yeah. And to me, like that gap of like what could be with an S1R Mark II is, it would, it would just, it would be perfect. It would just it would slot in right there and be like, now you can use all these fantastic Sigma lenses that you've always wanted to use. And here's your high resolution photo camera. And it feels like it's just as needed as the S1H. I'm more excited about the S1H because yeah. of video, but I think the S1R is as equally as important. I guess I just don't hear about it much. And I must not be in the right circles because I, I feel like I don't hear a, a, too much about these high-end photo cameras at all. I mentioned that about the A7 or C or, or CR earlier, but I guess I don't have a good a good grasp on how popular the S1R is. I think it's I think it's bread and butter for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who shoot R5s, people who do like safari stuff or portraits or that sort of thing. There are people who need a high resolution, something that's yeah. more than 24 megapixels. Mm-hmm. If you're going to print your work, like. You want to be shooting But do you think resolution. that the S1R specifically is a popular camera? No, I don't. Yeah. But I think that L-Mount has gotten so filled out that there isn't there isn't anything in that that spot in the market for the people who are wanting to invest into L-Mount lenses, who want to get into Sigma and that sort of thing. And they want a really good, like, high megapixel photo camera. Yeah. And they don't want to pay for a Leica. And so it's like... I think I, that I think that's a that's what has to go there is it's a Panasonic. I guess you're right. I mean, they're pretty much it. So we'll see. Or maybe Sigma just comes out with this Foveon, <laughs> and it's uh, or maybe they give it up and they come out with a bear sensor. That's will, like the whole thing. I will believe that when I see it. It's never going to happen. I don't know. That's this seems like there might be a lot of other things coming out this next year. The one that everyone keeps talking about is the uh, the new you know X100 whatever X100 yeah. R whatever they're going to call yeah, it. Yeah, that feels uh, almost like a sure thing. I still feel like I'm going to have to pre-order that camera. I don't like I don't think it's the right camera for me. 
I still think that I would be better off selling my X-T3 and buying like an X-T5 and that just being my small carry around camera because I know that it's like way bigger than an X100, but I would have trouble justifying buying a replacement for my X-T3 if I bought an X100. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem for you is that you like to use different primes and stuff. And I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we've uh, talked at length about your lens collection. <laughs> so it's hard for, it's hard to imagine you just having a fixed, a fixed lens camera. I feel like successfully landing a pre-order for that camera would be like printing money. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. You could just scalp it. I mean, with Fuji's inability to make cameras successfully, like and pro- like come out with them and produce them and then not have to stop production because of pre-orders. <laughs> I feel like if you could get your paws on one of those and hold it for like six months, you could sell it for double the price. <laughs> I saw somebody selling an X100V today for $2,000. So uh, I think you're right. Yep. I'm just saying like if that thing comes out and it's like less than 1500 bucks, whoo, I'm probably going to pre-order one. I don't think it'll be less than fifteen hundred bucks. You don't think it'll be less? No. Isn't isn't the original one like twelve hundred? Well, or something? yeah, but think about the think about all the camera prices this year. Everything's gotten more expensive. True, but do you? I know that like Fuji would love to fancy themselves as like a Leica type company. Yeah, but I cannot imagine them selling a fixed lens APS-C camera for more than fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe that's the price point fourteen ninety nine or something. It could silly. be. It could be. I mean, people are people are paying that for the old one. Yeah, that's true. I know. Is there anything else on the on this list here of things that well, might be coming out next year that you're excited about? I mean, there's definitely more stuff on the list. There's a lot of cameras that you know have been rumored and all that, but I think we've pretty much covered the main ones. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, and I think most of these brands will have something new next year. Uh, you know, some of the ones are pretty obvious, like you know, Sony's probably going to release like an A7 V or something, but. Um, I think we hit a few of the highlights. So I do think one last thing to kind of mention on that on this topic is cinema cameras from Canon. I think that next year is going to be like a, a Canon cinema year in a way. Well, they released those primes, those cinema primes this year. So maybe that's paving the way. Very true. And we've talked about whether or not they were going to come out with, what was it? It was like the C300 Mark III and the C200 Mark II or something like that. I forget exactly. I kind of lose track of those yeah, uh, specific versions. I lose track of them too, but it's like the next version of those mm-hmm. cinema cameras. And like one of them was supposed to have an interchangeable sensor. And it was like all these rumors mm, about I it. I do remember and that now. And it yeah. kind of got, it got pushed towards the end of the year. Like everyone thought it was going to be the end of this year. I think it's going to happen next year. There was another rumor that was floating around that they may come out with a C50. Interesting. Which is essentially a repackaged, cheaper, smaller C70. Yeah. Now I'd be into that idea because I love this idea of a more affordable box style, you know, or, or a, a dedicated video camera. Let's right. just say that. Because the C70 is not box style, but it's got like this weird chonko back mm-hmm. and it does have a handle to it. It's sort of like pseudo. Yeah. Box. There was there was a rumor that the C50 might be a box camera. Mm-hmm. So like Maybe. could be an interesting yeah. thing that we see. I don't know. Because I mean, if, if I still had RF lenses... I would probably be eyeing the C70, just sure. like it's, but it's just a little bit too expensive. It's still some of the best dynamic range you can get in that price point, that style camera in Super 35. Yeah, like it has crazy good dynamic range, and that dual gain on that sensor is super good. Mm-hmm. And so, like even even though those specs are like what two years old or something, 
they could just re-release that in a smaller, cheaper form factor, and it would still be highly competitive and a yeah. very, very good camera. Yep. Yeah, so that could be interesting. So well. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that that cinema stuff. I'm mostly, I think, excited about the Fuji thing because I'm in a Fuji world. Yeah. And I want firmware updates for my X-H2S that yeah. add all of those GFX 100, the second features. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. I want to see that X100V and I want to see an X-Pro4, but that's just me. No one else yeah. cares. I'm the only one that cares and I just need them to, to satiate my constant <laughs> demand for new technology. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to have my eye on Panasonic and just, I'm really curious to see what they come out with. And this was such a big year for them uh, with the S5 Mark II that I'm really interested to see how they follow that up. Do you think, do you see any uh, new camera purchase stuff on your horizon for next year? Is there like a lens or a camera that you're just waiting on besides the S1H Mark II? Yeah. I mean, really, I could see myself buying something to use as a dedicated video camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying I for sure will, but I mean, by that, you know, let's say by like next July, the X-H2S will be two years old. I use it a lot for our work. And for one thing, I would love to have a backup, uh, you know, and I think that would be helpful at this point. But just in general, I'd like to like expand into having a second camera so that I can have a dedicated photo setup and video setup. And it seems like it would be nicer in a lot of ways. So I'm I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see if they release. I'm still trying to find that perfect like circa 2013 high-end cinema camera that you can buy for like four thousand dollars now <laughs> and then sell it at you on this podcast and have you be like actually maybe i do need a cine to the f55 <laughs> that's my goal <laughs> see what happens yep yep uh how, and, and lastly how many how many film cameras do you think i will own by the end of next year oh my gosh knowing that when the minolta comes in i will own three currently <sighs> I think you will, on, on top of those, I think you'll buy two more. You're going to buy two film cameras? <laughs> I mean, they may be $50 whatever's, but yeah. That's my guess. I can't. You I think can't, it's, you I can't think it's, deny it. You think it's going to be much higher, don't you? you think no, it sounds like, right. No, I feel add like. some zeros. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm definitely going to be investing in like development stuff yeah. and a scanner. Yep. Yeah, I see that coming too. Oh, geez. What, uh, any other camera purchases on your mind? I feel like you, you need, you need some more Fuji lenses, surely. I feel like I am, I'm finally whole when it comes to all my Fuji lenses. I didn't uh, buy I've that. I think I've heard that before. I didn't buy that 100 to 400. Mm. And I've been, uh, eyeballing jealously your 75 1.2. Yeah. And I don't know. I like if, if, a 35 millimeter 1.4 with a clutch, like that original, like the first X mount lens just kind of appeared before me. And it was like a reasonable 650 or less. That'd be hard for me to say no. Yeah. You always have a list. I just, I'm just saying that like if I, if that's the last one, if I bought that one, I would have all of them, Daniel. I would have all the, well, that's not all of them, but I would have most of the original primes. <laughs> It'd be like a collection. I have a problem. Yeah. Shocking. Your answer here is that you're going to buy more gonna, Fuji lenses. I'm going to focus my energy on sub $100 film cameras. Yep. Auto boy, here we come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it for the show today. Thanks for joining us. And if you liked it, tell a friend so they can check it out too. You can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Camera Gear Pod. We'll be back with more next week.